Pow! Big pow! Pow! That's a pow with like some some rhythm to it. Because I have not been here. Um, I'm back though. <laughs> so here I am. I am so happy to be back with this podcast. It is uh, Sunday, September 20th. And, um, you know, life happens. I just couldn't get to it. You know, a couple of things happened. One of which was... The schools reopened. For those of you who do not know, I am a speech pathologist and I work in a charter school in uh, Newark. So yeah, we went back and it's work that I love to do. And like like Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg said, you know, your life has to have some meaning. And like John Lewis said, your life has to have some purpose. So I still get a lot of joy from doing that and a lot of satisfaction. So yeah, today is a very special day. Um, I want to dedicate this show to my very wonderful dear friend, uh, Angelo Lozada, who would have turned 54 yesterday. Uh, Angelo and I used to always have our little Virgo, uh, you know, we are fabulous Virgos moments. So I miss that. I miss having those conversations with Angelo, but that doesn't mean that I stopped talking to him. And there it is. And I also want to dedicate the show to um, RBG, the notorious RBG, uh, who still continues to inspire me. You know, Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg, she and I have a lot of stuff in common, right? Born in Brooklyn, raised in Brooklyn. Uh, she lived in Midwood. I had a, an apartment in Midwood, and my house was sort of on the Flatbush Midwood um, border. And more importantly, she packed all of that into a five-foot frame. And as someone who's still holding on <laughs> to being five feet, I think she shrunk a little bit. So I'm sure I'm probably in that shrinking phase by now. <laughs> but Ruth shrunk a little bit. But she was five feet, and oh my God, is she going to be missed? And it's just like, that's another another podcast about what's going on here. Um, I wanted to take this podcast to really talk about this whole, um, you know, the His- it's Hispanic Heritage Month. I don't know if we're going to start calling it Latin Latinx Heritage Month. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, it is uh, Hispanic Her- Heritage Month. And as such, I thought it was really, really important to talk about the fact that we have 44 days till what I think is the biggest election of our lifetime. And um, there are some battleground states that are super, super important to both candidates. But in particular to the one who is running the Republican Party, whose name I don't utter. I call him the monster. Anyone who watches my social media posts, I do not uh, hide the fact that I think he's a monster uh, for a lot of different reasons, but especially uh, because of what's going on in Puerto Rico. So it is. Uh, so we have Florida and we have Pennsylvania that have become the battleground states. They're swing states. And uh, just this Wednesday, I actually did an event with uh, Puerto Ricans for Power, and it, it's called the, the Boricua, Boricua uh, Phone Backing. And what they're doing is they're soliciting volunteers to try to reach out to Puerto Rican voters so that they do come out, they do register. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful organization and um, campaign to make sure that our votes count. Um, you know, for people who don't know, Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Ricans have... Uh, completely taken over the population. Well, I don't know about all that. But they actually do compose 5% of the population in Florida right now. So a lot of the people who left after uh, 
Maria, Hurricane Maria, have settled into Puerto Rico and uh, Pennsylvania, which we've always known. Shout out Eddie Moran, Puerto Rican mayor of Reading. So there you go. We, we are everywhere. Um, but this, this last announcement that the monster made about sending uh, $13 billion, <laughs> really? Are we naive enough to think that, A, it's not political because of the election, and B, he's really going to do it? I mean, he's broken a couple of promises already. Um, let's see, we're not going to touch Social Security. Remember that? We're not going to mess with Medicare and Medicaid. Um, I'm going to show my taxes, and um, Mexico's going to pay for the wall. So he doesn't exactly have a great track record for doing uh, a lot of what he says he's going to do. So now, magically, he's uh, presenting us uh, with these overtures to Puerto Rican voters. And um, the timing is not coincidental. It is purposeful. It is the reason that I am talking about this today because I can't believe that the same guy who, right after Maria, was balking at how much need there was on the island, they were giving too much money, he, he lied about giving the island $90 billion, which we all know the island did not get. Um, he made a comment about how Puerto Ricans always want everything done for them. He threw towels at people in their worst hour of need. So I'm sorry, I'm not trusting these overtures. Um, it just seems a little bit convenient that now that the election is 44 uh, days away. And the fact is, is that even before Maria, this uh, administration uh, has always been terrible to the island. You know, when it first started this administration. It was all about, oh, Democrats are always trying to bail out Puerto Rico. He's always had a problem with the island. He's always had a problem with brown people. We understand all of that. So these promises that he's making just come off very disingenuous. These promises to send all this aid to Puerto Rico. I don't know. I, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. And even today, there was a, um, an article in the Washington Post that studies have shown that Puerto Rico has historically always gotten less than it's needed. There's a hurricane in Florida. There's a hurricane in Texas. Bam! That money's all there. Where Puerto Rico has to, like, you know, scrounge. And, yeah, we know about the corruption, but that's no excuse to not give money and make sure that you're monitoring and make sure that it's getting to the people that need it. We are now owners in Puerto Rico. So we've seen it. We see the houses without the roofs. We see the houses without windows. People are still waiting for money, either from insurance companies or from FEMA. And for me, what's happening in Puerto Rico right now is a humanitarian crisis. That's what I think is going on on the island. And I happen to agree with anybody who understands that Puerto Rico has been in a recession for a very long time now. Puerto Rico technically has been in a recession since 2006. A recession is defined as two periods of economic downturn. Puerto Rico's had many, starting with 2006. So I thought it'd be real important to just take a step back. For the people who really want to defend this administration and still want to blame Puerto Ricans for the mess that that island is in, bottom line is poor people, indigenous people, do not establish policy when they've been colonized since forever, right? So the Spaniards came in colonized it. Puerto Rico uh, got turned over to the United States in 1998 as part of the Spanish-American War. And ever since then, it's just been like a revolving door of we're going to go in there and we're going to steal 
the sugar factories and we're going to steal the agriculture and we're going to keep taking everything from the Puerto Rican people, indigenous to the island, and we're going to make it work for the U.S. That's always been the history of Puerto Rico. And it's just proven there's too many, too many, too many uh, books written about it. So anybody who wants to go toe-to-toe with me on that, that's just insane for anyone to say that the indigenous people of Puerto Rico are the ones that created this mess that it's in. In 1976, there were tax breaks that were offered. And even before that, because I know that there were tax breaks offered, there were other programs to make it easier for American and uh, and mostly American, but it's now become like a multinational, a multinational assault on the island. But all these tax breaks that were given to uh, industries to come and profit and bring all that profit back to the United States, uh, the most recent of those tax breaks were in 1976. So they basically said, nah, you don't have to pay federal taxes if you come here and you do your business, your dirty business here. So it used to be all kinds of like chemical plants, electro- electrochemical plants. And I remember as a kid, um, my family was always on the southern part of the island, southwest. The beaches were like kind of nasty. And they, my mother used to tell me they weren't like that when she was a child. So clearly it was all of the industrialization, it was all those chemical plants and all that crap that they were dumping into the ocean that um, that ruined a lot of the beautiful landscape that is Puerto Rico. So what happens? The tax breaks dry up because the federal government is now falling deeper and deeper into a deficit. So they go, well, we can't have these tax breaks anymore. So they rescinded them. So now in 1996, they ended the tax breaks. It took 10 years for most American corporations to bounce. So they bounced, not worrying about what they left behind, that trail of lost income, lost jobs, pensions, stability, all of it. So now we have, um, so yeah, 2005 was the last um, great year. Now, Puerto Rico imports 85% of its produce. I don't know. It used to grow a lot of its own food, and now it can't even do that. It's importing. So the island is in really bad shape. And uh, from the same study that I mentioned before that was, um, that was uh, published in the Washington Post, half of the island works off the books. So there's no tax revenue that's being generated either. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how Puerto Rico just, you know, how this has become such an insane mess with debt. Puerto Rico borrowed $61 billion. The government of Puerto Rico uh, borrowed $61 billion percent. And the uh, securities firms at that point charged ridiculously high uh, fees. A lot of the handling fees were higher. Their underwriting fees were higher than the ones that they would be charging um, companies here in the, on the mainland. So that's the first thing. You're charging people way more than you should for the debt, the fees and, uh, and the debt. So now, 11 years later, this was in um, 2014, I think it was. Anyway, the point is, it's grown from $60 billion to $70 billion, And that does not include the $43 billion that Puerto Rico currently owes in pensions. So it is a hot mess. And by the way, does anybody remember right after Maria, the monster saying he was going to forgive the Puerto Rico debt? Hmm, another lie that also didn't happen. Um, so there's this gigantic strain on Medicare and on Medicaid on the island because, again, those tax revenues aren't being generated. And then there's the infamous Jones Act. 
That's my, oh, does that stick in my craw? 1920. Uh, do you think maybe it's time to do something about this archaic, shitty law? All right. The Jones Act basically says that any country that is bringing a shipment to Puerto Rico has to first make a stop in the United States. So they're going to pay all kinds of import taxes on that product. Then that product is going to be sent to Puerto Rico. So now there's more taxes. So by the time Puerto Ricans get that product, it is already overpriced. And then there's an 11% sales tax. 11.5. 11.5. Let's not forget that. Um, and even the New York Federal Reserve Board has published a study that shows that the Jones Act is de deleteriously damaging the economy of Puerto Rico. So where are the out, where's the outcry about getting rid of this awful, awful act? I know people are fighting for it, but the people that are fighting for it, unfortunately, do not have the access to the powers that be that could instantly start making, putting some heat on getting rid of this awful act. Why don't you give them an example of what happened with Ikea in Puerto Rico oh, compared to shall Ikea we? <laughs> in New Jersey? Best example. Thank you, baby. I had a kitchen installed in my house in, in New Jersey. Beautiful. I, Ikea came. They took the measurements. Seamless. Not seamless, but as seamless as possible. Got it done quickly. And guess what? 15 years later, right? 16 years later, my kitchen still looks good. So I bought a condo in Puerto Rico. I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm going to have it done by Ikea again because I like their cabinets and so on. Let's see. Uh, is it finished? No. It's been a year. A year. And we're talking about little pieces. We're talking about the handles of the cabinets. Uh, we're talking about light fixtures, small things. But because they have to wait for it to come from Spain, I don't know if people know that, but Ikea, the main company, is in Spain. For Puerto Rico. For Puerto Rico. So they have to wait for the stuff to go, I guess, first from Spain. Denmark. No, it's Danish. Denmark. Correct? So first it goes to Spain, then it goes to the States, and then maybe it gets to Ikea. So what happens when you buy, you go to Ikea... And you buy something at Ikea. Can you oh, walk so out? then when you walk... And so, okay, so most people who know Ikea know that it's like this gigantic, uh, like a gigantic uh, factory, like a warehouse. And you go and you walk through the beautiful apart, uh, rooms and the showroom, right? So there's the showroom. You see the way it's laid out. Oh, que lindo. I'm going to put that here. Oh, that's a great idea. And then you get to the marketplace. Well, let me tell you, in Puerto Rico, Ikea is about the size of what? A McDonald's maybe? <laughs> There's no showroom. And even if you just want to get una tacita, right, from Ikea, you have to put in order, and then you have to go back to San Juan to pick up the order in three days. No, it's changed. Six months. Oh, okay. Remember, we went. He fights with them more than I do yeah, because I will not buy anything in Ikea something, anymore. Something we could buy yeah. in Jersey, which we have been doing. Well, if you see, I don't know if you want to scan, but it's a mess here. <laughs> Because we end up buying everything here and shipping it over to Puerto Rico. So that doesn't produce any revenue for the island because it just doesn't make sense. We will support as much as we can. But, I mean, the idea of having to spend 
nothing for sales tax on clothes in New Jersey versus 11% in Puerto Rico. 11.5. Again, sorry, 11.5. <laughs> so does someone turn around and go, well, that's your fault. You're not supporting your island. No, it's not my fault. The Congress of this country, of the United States, is derelict in its duty to do something about improving the conditions of Puerto Rico. And for anyone to say that this monster is it genuinely interested in the plight of Puerto Rico and the condition of the Puerto Rican diaspora, uh, give it a break. I'm not going to be the one. Most people I roll with are not going to be the ones because we see with eyes open what's going on. For me, the people who still want to defend this man, this thing, this monster, after everything that he's done to the people in Puerto Rico and to black and brown people in this country, I would say that your racism is stronger than your survival because if you really want to survive, you're going to do what's in your best financial interests. And this monster has done nothing to show that he's doing anything for anybody but the wealthy and his buddies. And we all know, look at any of his staff, look at his, the pictures. Anytime he has anything around him, you could count. There's one black guy, oh, she might be Latina, I don't know. It is overwhelmingly white. So you have to ask yourself, is he genuinely interested in sending all this money to correct the infrastructure, to build schools in Puerto Rico? I call bullshit. And I call it bullshit 44 days before the election, pushing through now a judicial nominee when he knew damn well that when Obama wanted to do it, it waited over 200 and something days. That nomination of Merrick Garland was done early in that year. And he just, at the end of the term of Obama's term, that there was plenty of time to vet, do whatever you needed to do. Chinless McConnell just decided, because I'm going to get down and dirty too. You want to call people names? Chinless McConnell. I hate going low like nah, that. go ahead. Yeah. It's just not me. I'm not. An, I'm not like that. I'm. Just, it's not in my character. But 44 days before the election, and we have to get everybody voting right. Damn it, Chinless McConnell sat on it. He wouldn't even let it come to a vote. And then he said, "Use my words against me. Whoever, if there's if there's a judicial opening before the end of a presidential ter uh, term, the next president is the one that has to make that decision." And yet now. Hipócrita, sinvergüenza. That's what. That's all that is. Sinvergüenzería, because it's like, oh, I just get so frustrated. So and here we and are. Let's not forget Ginsburg requested that. And she asked for it. So you are negating. You are pooping on a brilliant and revered woman's last wish. How dare you? It doesn't get more disgusting than that. It's just disgusting. And Puerto Ricans on the island. Guess what? Whoever doesn't know that, we have one non-voting congressman in the House, and they cannot vote for the president, although they're citizens. So stuff has got to really, I mean, stuff sounds like a really uh, simplistic word, but the point is what's happening in Puerto Rico is dire. I'm going to say it again. It is a humanitarian crisis. And if you are a Boricua living in the United States and you vote for the monster, shame on you that you are turning your back on the people of that island and saying, well, you know what? Um, a mí no me gustan los morenos. Because I know that. I know. Tell me they're not saying it. 
We both know that's what people are saying. Ay, no, esos morenos están rompiendo todo, están destrozando las tiendas. Mira que salvajería. I know that's what you're saying, and I know that's what you're thinking if you are behind this man because that could be the only reason why I could understand that you would vote for him. So what's the purpose of all of this? All of this is to say we need to register to vote. If you haven't registered, there's another shame. Now, first of all, I, I can't, this thing is so blinding every time I look down. I'm back. Papi, es que no veo, coño. That light is, he's got that light on me, and I'm like, I got that green dot every time I go to read. And I just have notes here. Because a lot of this is here. It is here. But I know sometimes I just go tangential and I go off on tangents and I want to really stay focused because I feel so strongly about this. Let me just explain. I didn't vote. I'll admit it. I didn't vote my entire life until 2004. That was the first time I voted. And I'll be honest. I'm going to give you my story. Okay? I was bien militante. <laughs> I was bien militante. Obreros, unidos, amas serán vencidos. And I could sing the international, right? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll sing it at the end, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, arise, ye prisoners of starvation. Arise, ye wretched of the earth. For justice thunders condemnation. A better world's in birth. There it is. Yeah, I was very, very radicalized by the time I got into college. And so I never believed that voting made a difference. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm not crazy about Biden. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be transparent. He would not have been my first choice. My first choice, I love Bernie Sanders, and I wanted Elizabeth Warren to run. There it is. But this election is more important than anything, even more important than trying to not have Bush get a second um, administration, get a second term. And that's when I voted because we were in war. I knew that that war in Iraq was completely um, ill-advised. It was ill-planned and it was wrong because we should have been attacking Saudi Arabia if you want to go after the, the, the terrorists. But anyway, point was I hated that war and Biden voted for it. So yeah, I had my problems. With, I've had my problems. But I also understand that I'm getting way too fragile <laughs> to be out there demonstrating. Y'all knock yourself out, young people. I did it for 10 years. So I'm getting, you know, I understand. And guess what? We did make a difference because Obama got elected. We turned the Senate around. I'm sorry. We turned the House around in 2018. Those midterm elections made a difference. So I do believe that you can effectuate change through voting. And if it didn't make a difference, the monster would not be so obsessed with pulling with pulling um, mailboxes out. And oh my God, remember when they showed the picture of the mailboxes? Oh, it felt like they were dead bodies being loaded into a refrigerated truck. It had that feeling of, oh my God, the country's dying. Like the one thing you could count on was the post office. And now we can't even count on the post office. So there's just too much shenanigans, too much trickery. When you're already calling the election illegal and bogus before it even happened, you are destroying everything that is just, 
it's it's a part of our being. It's in our blood that we, because we take it for granted. As Americans, we take a lot for granted because we don't know what it's like to live in other countries where people are really controlled. controlled. I mean, we have, you know, people believe, yeah, we have some freedoms and we don't. And I, I understand that there are freedoms that we sometimes believe we have. Like, there's a lot of things that I wish I was free to do. Like, I wish I was free to just pick another insurance company because I don't like Obamacare. There's a lot of freedoms I don't have. I understand that. But we still have more than a lot of places. So we take a lot for granted. And voting should never be taken for granted. I can say that now as someone who didn't vote. I see the difference that it makes. So if you are an 18-year-old and you are listening to this, if you are a young voter, please understand that you are doing the same thing. That does not mean stop protesting. That does not mean stop speaking out. Not at all. I was a rebelde, and I think that rebeldia is a great thing. But I also know that it's like a, uh, it's a multi-pronged process. We can vote, we can protest, we can write to our senators, we can rally, we can do a lot of different things. But right now, the single most important thing that you can do is vote. And vote Biden and Harris in 2020. We cannot take another four years of this administration. It is terrifying thinking that we have a pandemic on our hands that didn't have to happen. When you have a president that admits that he lied to the public, I don't understand. I just don't get it. From his stinky little creepy mouth, he said it. He admitted it. I know the truth, but I'm going to tell the people something else because I don't want them to panic. What he didn't want to panic was the stock market. We all know that. How can anyone who votes this man back in look at themselves in the mirror if you're not wealthy? Because if you're wealthy, I get it. I totally get it. I get it. He made you a lot richer. And all that money that's concentrated in the top is never going to trickle down. And I know that. And so thank you. You know, I'm not going to say rest in peace because I've never liked Reagan because of that. So now I hate someone even more. But the point is that money's not coming down. So wake up, man understand. Put your racism to the side. You may not like what he represents because he's he's into diversity. And some people are just not ready for that. We understand you're still angry about the Civil War. I get it. But Boricua, you had nothing to do with that Civil War. Let the people who are problematic with that, with those um, requirements now in society where you have to treat people equally and pay them the same and you can't bully black people and tell them that they can't drive while black. Let them, that's that's their issue because they're the ones that are the racist. But if you're a Boricua, coño, let me see you come out and make a stand and take a stand against this beast and represent for the people on your island and for your parents and your grandparents and everybody. And how about the people who may, in our ancestry, have been slaves and murdered and butchered? Don't forget who did all of that. That was not our doing. And now the United States is completely responsible for that. There's a president who hates that island. Don't forget that. Get out there and vote for Biden. Register to vote. To vote. And do right, man. Do right. Get something in this administration. Get someone in this administration who is genuinely going to make a difference for that island. It's going to be a long haul. It's a long haul. They're talking about 10, 15 years before there's any type of real change on the island. And of course we want it. But it's not coming from this administration, and it never will. So, oh, that felt so good. Give me 
Oh my God, I feel so good. So for Hispanic Heritage Month, I also want to leave you with, who remembers this? Jack Daniels used to do these crazy Latino comedy shows uh, back in the early 2000s. And they were the bomb. And I still have my, my uh, and it's got pants and everything. Look, and look at my new, my new sandals. <laughs> so ahí mi gente, I did my pitch. Please, please, please continue to follow the, bot, the podcast. And if you're someone who loves the monster, follow the podcast anyway, because it's always good to get contrasting views. I listen to, I watch Fox, and I do listen to it because it's good to have some type of balance. But when you go to the uh, polls, do the right thing. And remember to follow me at Latin Diva Comedy on Instagram. And uh, please be on the lookout because I am um, getting my show staged and we're still plugging away at this uh, one-woman show. So, mi gente, I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next time. Mm -hmm.